Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 326 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is June 23rd, 2014. Cannot believe June is melting away as quickly as it is, but it is going fast. July's almost just around the corner, and that means fall camp is not that far away. We have a big show for you this week on the podcast talking about those summer workouts as USC is getting ready. For fall camp, we got Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on and Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. Want to hear from you. Questions are always welcome. Podcast at uscfootball.com. You can call us at 206-888-6755 or go to our website, parastylepodcast.com, and leave a voicemail right there. Well, let's welcome in Coach Harvey Hyde. He's back on the mainland. What's going on, Coach? How are you? Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, it's been uh, what, a great weekend, and uh, I'm getting ready for a new week, and I'm fired up, rested. I've already worked out, so I'm ready to get this show going yeah get it going and uh, i wanted to thank our sponsor before we get rolling southern california tickets they've been with us for years and years sctickets.com is the website or you can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for the concerts boarding events you want to go to the theater a lot of baseball going on hey you can still catch a couple games in the world cup if you want to go down there and fly to brazil you can check that out uh go to sctickets.com and and they'll hook you up, uh, Coach. I don't. Know, did you end up watching the the World Cup game yesterday? USC, uh, US, USC, USA got tie game at the very end. It was kind of disappointing, but it was a, a decent result for the USA team. No, uh, I, I was very disappointed. In fact, I got up right after that shot and took my dog for a walk. <laughs> I got to find a way to relax after that. You know, it's uh, disappointing to play as good as they did and then have that Alaska. Shot. It's almost like a uh, you're in your prevent defense. You're trying to get in your prevent defense, and you get beat on man on the last play of the game, and they beat you when you should win the game. But it was an God, what a beautiful play it was. They can never do that, execute that play again. But I think that's a time that when you're guarding a guy, you're not going to allow him make that kick to set up that headbutt or whatever you call it. <laughs> Header, <the> yeah. Goal, <laughs> you, you take that guy out, or you play him really tight tight man and he was off and sort of let up if you notice when he kicked the ball but you know i don't know it's easy to second guess you know it's really easy to second guess so it was a great game great accomplishment and uh great ratings had a rating of nine uh, which is uh will be higher probably than the world series so uh i think america has really got into this uh world cup it's actually i'm not a big soccer fan i actually tease my friends that like it but I do. I will say I've watched a lot of this World Cup, and it's a lot more exciting than I'm used to. Like than I used to see. There's more goals, and I, and I know you don't necessarily need goals, but just at least chances. I don't like it when teams aren't really trying to score. So it's a little more open. It's actually kind of fun to watch, and uh, this was really this was really interesting. But it does seem like at the, the end of the games, you want you want to try to control the ball a little bit, and it, uh, you know uh, Bradley gave that the ball away right at the midfield, and it turned into a goal. Um, 
But yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just seems like at the end, teams get a little apprehensive. They add five minutes like arbitrarily. Oh, five minutes extra. You know, if they added four minutes extra, Team USA would have won. So it's just kind of a weird deal. Well, I don't like that at all. But you don't, you know, what, what rules are you playing under? You know, what I mean, you're you're winning, so they add five minutes to give the other team. What's the difference <laughs> if you win? What if you score another one, and so it's three-one? Who yeah. cares? The only team that could benefit from that would be Portugal, wouldn't it be? Yeah, it's happened. Like we've seen other teams where they add two or three minutes, and both of Team USA's games where they're up by a goal, five minutes was added. So I don't know. We'll if see. Where did... Five minutes are added when it's hot. Humid, <laughs> you know, it's not like it's a beautiful day. So when the athletes are tired, you add five minutes. Yeah. All right, let's move ahead. Yeah, let's. We don't need to talk about uh, soccer anymore. So we apologize for that, but it is a big deal, and a lot of Americans are getting into it. I'm still not a soccer fan, but I will watch our our country go through that, and we'll wish them luck in the next game against Germany. Um, Coach, why don't we start off with a voicemail question for you? And if you listen to the beginning. Uh, this caller is actually listening to the show while he's leaving a voicemail. So you can hear your voice in the beginning, Coach, and then he comes in and gets to his question. So let me let me play this for you guys. If we have an opportunity Coach. to play for a national championship Sorry. and go to a semifinal game and then play for a national championship. So it's going to take some time. Coach, I'd like to see a, a tour of uh, what it's like at training table. Um, I like to see uh, what it's like when the guys are working out in the gym, uh, the locker room facilities, and uh, study hall. Thanks, and uh, fight on. Well, thank you very much for your questions, uh, or question with a few uh, questions with that question. Uh, you know, first of all, I think it's very important that the public, football fans, alumni, parents, I'm sure parents have access to, the McKay Center to see exactly what's going on behind the scenes. I think it's great to have fans interested enough to know, want to know what's going on. Just like I believe in the open practices uh, that uh, you have in fall camp and spring camp where young kids can go and take a look at these beautiful facilities. I mean, it's great to have them, but most people don't have the opportunity of seeing them. I think that they should have tours. I think they should have certain times when you can go through these facilities you can now walk through Heritage Hall, and that's completely done. Uh, training table, I had the opportunity of going to training table in the, the spring, which is in a dining room there right next to Heritage Hall, where you can go in. Anyone can go in and uh, pay and sit down, when, and uh, the athletes are eating. Now, uh, I didn't want to bother any of the athletes or talk with any of the athletes, but it's a chance for you to see what they're eating. It's wonderful food. You're able to see them out of their uniforms, recognize them, see what their sizes really are, and all this and that. I think that is is really uh, special. And uh, so, but I think there should be opportunities when you can eat with the athletes. Uh, I think the main problem there is they're afraid agents or somebody might go in there and make contact with them. But believe me, if you're an agent, you can't be that stupid to go <laughs> on the training table. Well, maybe they are to go into training table and sit down and be seen or trying to uh, <laughs> contact an athlete that way. So I think that's ridiculous to say that could happen. Also, as far as the facilities themselves, where they work out with the weights, they're separated from the people. You can walk down the corridor and you can look down onto the field and the weight area, and it'd be great to see these athletes lifting weights and doing what they need to do and see the indoor football field. Uh, I think it would inspire the kids to, to see that people care enough to be able to watch them work out. 
and go through the locker rooms and see exactly what these kids have as far as when you hear about these facilities that they have. Study hall, I'm not sure if I'd want uh, people to go through study hall. This is a period of time where you don't want kids to get distracted. They're supposed to be in there studying, and that's what they're doing. And for you to go through there, I think, is, is something that, you know, all kids aren't required to go to study hall. Kids that are getting a certain grade point, they don't need to go to study hall. And I think it sort of points out certain kids that are in study hall that certain people don't need to know about or what's going on in study hall. So, I mean, I think you could see it if no one was in study hall. If they had a tour that day in the study hall, as far as the computers and all that, no one was in there because of this tour, then it'd be great. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of these beautiful facilities now that they have, you could go through Heritage Hall, you could go through uh, McKay Center, you could go to the swimming pool, new swimming pool area. If you haven't been to the practice field, go through that, go through the track facilities, and see exactly these beautiful facilities that these athletes today have to work with. And also you hear Ryan and, and Dan and these other guys talk about the facilities, and then you'd have your own experience of knowing what's going on. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we did put up. If you check our YouTube page, you know, just search Inside Troy or USCFootball.com on YouTube. We do have a, a tour of um, the new John McKay Center uh, be- right before it was opened, and you can see the uh, indoor practice facility and, and stuff like the uh, football field. And they actually have a nutrition center down there, uh, but it's closed off to the public. Only athletes can be in there. So if there's any kind of tour. Uh, we can go through and um, and film it, you know, like we did before. So you can try to check that out. Uh, there is, you know, there's like a, you know, the Galen Center, not the where the basketball team plays, but, you know, next to Heritage Hall, between Heritage Hall and uh, the John McKay Center where the, the athletes eat. It's really just like kind of a cafeteria. There's nothing really special in there. And we've, you know, been in there for different events and things like that, like Coach said. Um, but, you know, the weight room, all that stuff is really nice and new but we aren't normally allowed to go through there. So we did put up that video that has a tour. You can check out, uh, you know, on the uscfootball.com uh, YouTube page. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these other areas are, are, are off limits, to, you know, to kind of do anything new unless they have some kind of organized tour uh, later on. Back in the day, Coach, when uh, Chris Carlisle was there in the, the weight room, he used to let us come in there and we'd take some pictures in the weight room. And uh, he had this – tiny tiny little office closet of an office and they just won a couple championships and all that and you know chris carlisle all these you know reggie bush and all these guys working out in the weight room and it's just these old weights and these corn tiny corner little office they just had to do so much with so little there so it's it's a lot better right now and uh, you can check out some of the the stuff we put up there on that youtube video well normally it's not the weights it's the athlete lifting the weights and i said (laughs) that all along it's a talent and uh, there's been a lot of great uh, athletes, and there uh, will be more that maybe don't have the great facilities that a lot of these universities have that turn out to be number one draft choices. But it's great to have them, and it's in a, sort of like an arms race between the universities now because of the amount of finances, uh, financial uh, income that they're having. So all the universities, more or less, in the Supers conferences are having these type of facilities. But I agree with our caller. I think it should be open more to the public or have tours. And also the new uh, Merlin uh, Norman uh, uh, volleyball, uh, sand volleyball facility. I don't know if you've seen that, Ryan, but that's something special too. Yeah, that's really nice. I'm, I play beach volleyball myself. So I haven't, I haven't got down there and got on the sand. It's actually a women's height net, but I asked them and they said they could raise it. So maybe we'll have some 
some of the uh, USC media people go down and play a little beach volleyball one day. That would be fun. I think it should be. The media, I think it should be media against uh, broadcasters. I li- oh, I like that. that. Huh? That would be good. I think it would be, but I think you've got an advantage. <laughs> well, I do play a lot, so hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I can't jump. <laughs> I can't set. <laughs> just a, I can't do anything but watch. Okay, that's okay. We'll have you out there watching. That's that's not a that's not a problem. Um, well, uh, coach, I don't know if you remember, we had a question. I believe it was last week about why uh, USC doesn't have the end zones painted. Uh, you know, cardinal and gold and and the whole deal uh, like they used to be. And we had someone write in and kind of have an answer for us. So this is from Jeff in South Orange County. So if you guys remember that question, the caller had asked. You know, why Why are the end zones kind of plain as far as it has USC, I believe, in like Cardinal and the, like the rest of the end zone isn't in gold and, you know, a lot bolder of a statement, uh, kind of like they used to be. So this is from uh, Jeff writing in here. He says, hey, guys, my brother works as a vendor for the Coliseum end zone painting crew. So this is some inside information he's giving us here. Uh, he services their paint spray equipment uh, for line markings and end zones. He was telling me, that the simple reason the ground crew leaves the end zone grass unpainted during spring, fall practice, and early into the season is that the paint actually kills the turf at the top couple of inches. If you notice, usually the end zone turf gets a complete cardinal and gold spray late in the season before the big November games. Reason here is not only does it add to the pageantry of big rivalry games, it's also for practicality. The end of the season and the field sod will soon be replaced over the approaching winter months and on a side note guess that could change only if sc pulled a similar sacrilege like notre dame recently yank out the grass and put in artificial turf but remember even through even though nd has the golden dome god is really a trojan sc grass live forever sent from jeff in south orange county well i like that thank you very much jeff for checking uh, in with us and giving us the real answer to the question i was guessing (laughs) You know, I was guessing and saying that I would like to see it like that and give as much credit to the program and the tradition of the program as you can, but that does make sense. You want uh, turf in the end zones or so you can make cuts and so on, and uh, there's a reason for it, and I think he answered that. And uh, you're right. It's a lot, uh, well, certainly it's easier to do when you have the artificial turf but uh, there's not, not many turfs left. Uh, you've got the Rose Bowl, who's uh, got regular turf, and the Coliseum has got regular turf. Uh, I'm not sure in the rest of the Pac-12 who has turf. Do you know, Ryan, who still has turf? Still has grass out there. Um, I'm not... Grass, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not really... I'd have to check it up. I'm not really sure and see. I think Colorado still does. Do they have turf? God, I don't. I wouldn't think they would up there because it's so snow. cold. I know, but I was just up there. I don't, man. I don't remember being on the field. Yeah, I'm not. We'll have to check into it. And well, it's no it's, big deal. But I did. Uh, I just wonder who still has it. You know. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, I don't see USC getting away from grass. Uh, I don't see them putting in artificial turf there. But I did not know that the paint would actually kill the grass, and that's you know part of the reason why uh, you would want to have. You know, the, not the whole turf, uh, the whole grass painted in the end zone. Because it does look better. I also didn't realize that they do it towards the end of the season. Um, so we'll see. I kind of like the little, uh, those diamond kind of things that they would put in there. Uh, if they can keep doing that, 
you know, we'll see. I don't know. I don't have to even remember that, but we'll check that out and see. But that was, that was really interesting coach. I mean, I just didn't know that you painting the grass like that would actually kill things. No, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that either. And, uh, it's going to be interesting. Now I'm going to take a look at the Rose bowl and see just what they do. I can't remember what they do. I know for the Rose bowl game, they completely painted in, but for the UCLA games, I'm not sure what they put in there. If they just put UCLA or Bruins or, what in the end zone, but I'll, I'll find out. And maybe by our next show, I'll tell you. All right. Call the Rose Bowl and find out. <laughs> you can just roll by there since you're the mayor of Pasadena. Right. Anyway, I'll just so roll back in there. <laughs> um, well, we have a question from Lamar in Lancaster. He says every off season, there's talks about alternate uniforms. Uh, he said, I would love to see the USC boys, the USC boys don a San Francisco 49ers look gold helmets, with a new era SC intertwined on the sides with the SC colors in the middle of the helmet, no change in the jersey, shiny gold pants with cardinal and gold, black stripes going down the sides of the pants with SC intertwined letters on the lower left hip. Well, he's getting very specific here, Coach. Uh, get this to the power brokers. This concept rocks. That's from Lamar in Lancaster. What do you, th- what do you think about that, Coach? Well, Lamar... Uh... You've got a good eye. You, you know, uh, there's nothing like a shiny gold helmet. In fact, when I coached at <laughs> passing the City College, we used to paint our helmets every single week. We'd uh, have them painted. Uh, we had guys that came in and painted our helmets to get that shine. We didn't have any lettering on the helmet, but uh, really it does give it a glitter, and it really looked beautiful and brought a lot of pride to our program. We sort of had the SC uniform, too, because our colors were cardinal and gold but uh i don't i don't like change in traditional programs now in programs that are trying to get attention i think it's good but when you have a traditional program with a great uniform and great players and heisman trophy winners that have worn those uniforms i think those players take great pride not only in the uniforms but the numbers they wear uh, you know the tradition of number 55 and number one and number two you hear the players asking for those numbers because of the great players that have worn those numbers. But I think that some of the past players don't like to see that changed. And I think that uh, I know that uh, a lot of fad now and a lot of the kids are a little different. I mean, with music at practice and all of these different things, things are changing. Even the camps I see, Ryan, they're playing music at the camps and trying to make it some type of – thing that's, I guess, more comfortable for the kids and the coaches. But we didn't have any of that. Um, in fact, we hardly had very t- little talking at practice because we thought it was a teaching moment, like a classroom, where I needed att- the attention of everybody. And if you weren't in there, uh, it wasn't your turn. You're still listening and watching your position to see what happens at your position. But I guess now that uh, – uh, there's different thought on music and upbeat and what's going on. So, but me, I'm a traditionalist. Uh, but uh, I tell you, uh, if you, you kids do like those things now, and a lot of programs do that. And Oregon started the whole thing off, and uh, they've been very successful. But I've seen a lot of programs change their uniforms, and they're still 0 and 11. Okay, so <laughs> that isn't the answer as far as the success. Yeah, um, and I would have to. T- I'm not a very. I'm more of a visual person, coach. I, for him to describe that, I would have to see what a rendering was. But I'm more of a traditionalist. 
I'd like to see them kind of the way they are, but I know a lot of uh, recruits like to see changes, but I think there's, there's a certain percentage of recruits too, that do like the tradition and something that hasn't changed and doesn't change with every whim that's kind of going on there. But uh, gold helmets at USC. I don't know. I'm not sure I would, I could go for that. Well, we did it only because we didn't want to look completely like USC. Okay. Uh, so that's why we did it. But, uh, you know, my feeling is if a guy's not going to come to our school because he likes to change uniforms, I'll tell him to go somewhere else. Not that I want him to go somewhere else, but we're not going to change our uniform. We're not going to put the name on the back of our jersey. Uh, we're going to want people to find out who you are. And uh, that's just the way it goes. And I think that people and past players at USC like that tradition. Maybe a lot of people don't. Now, and I see your side of it, but I think most of the alumni players like that tradition. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens uh, with all that. Yeah, it's the the topics we get during the offseason, coach, are pretty interesting. But I, I like it. You know, I mean, there's there's interesting things we can talk no, about. They are. They really are. But you're going to hear me jump on Sark too when he does it. <laughs> I'm just honest. I'm just, you know, my opinion. This whole show is just my opinion. Right. And that's what we did. Well, not the whole show, Coach, but at least your no, segments. No, but you know opinion. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, I, I do all of our, my shows that I do like that. I tell you the way it is. I mean, and uh, I like doing it. And uh, uh, and when a child needs to be spanked, I spank him, too. I don't know. He's, he, nobody's never threatened me I'm going to turn you in and get you arrested. But uh, I think that uh, some kids would wonder why you didn't spank them because they said, Dad, why come you didn't spank me when I played in the street? Did you care about me? Did you love me? The other parent ran out there and spanked him when he took him out of the middle of the street. <laughs> so, you know, uh, there's different ways of teaching, right? Yep. And uh, I teach a different way. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. And uh, it's always fun to talk during the off season. We're, we're getting really close to – Fall camp, it's creeping up on us, and we'll have some uh, actual real football to talk about here in the next several weeks. But until then, keep bringing in those questions. We love to hear from you and talk about the uh, off-season stuff. So great stuff, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, Coach. Hey, Brian, thank you very much. And for all of you that do call in and do listen to our podcast, thank you. Have a great summer, and we'll be with you next week. All right, sounds good, Coach. And we'll be back in one minute talking with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Back here on the Peristyle Podcast, we got Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer. I want to talk to him about what's going on with this team as we get through June. It's going by fast, Dan. Uh, these. This one month of not being able to talk to players during summer workouts is almost over. Yeah, that'll be great. So we got a little—it's like a warm-up, a warm-up period here, and uh, and you know you get to see him. Uh, it's nice. <clears throat> you notice, uh, say Randall Telford's back, you know, and he's doing some things. Uh, Lamar Dawson. So 
that's uh, kind of the you know the way you you get through the summer is who comes back and uh, you know what do they look like and does it look like uh, you know Andre Walker was uh, a week ago and then those guys are back and I think that's a that's actually a big part of the summer for this team is just seeing uh, seeing the guys come back and then I think uh, probably in the next uh, couple of weeks we'll see the true freshmen the ones that weren't here in the spring sort of getting uh, you know really uh integrated into the you know the the roster and the you know offense and defense where they know enough to to we'll get to see them actually uh you know move out there and and uh see what they look like you know with the rest of the guys but there's it's kind of got a kind of rhythm to it uh, it's, it's 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 without a doubt the best summer workouts that we've seen the most organized the most uh uh most similar to game situation. I mean, this is one of the things that we always had a negative feeling about the way Lane ran the program, and not just for the summer, but that the practices just didn't seem connected as much in terms of tempo and speed to the actual game situations, that they were more of an NFL plotting, thinking, walking through, kind of uh, workouts, whereas the thing you always noticed about Pete Carroll's teams and practices were they were faster, you know, at least as fast as, as game tempo, and it made it very, you know, not very difficult for them to adjust to game situations, and that's what we're seeing in the summer. So that makes it a little bit harder probably for, you know, the first-time guys to get up to speed right away because they are going so fast. And there is no time between plays. And, uh, you know, they're coming at you with, with a lot of guys that can run. So uh, it's an interesting challenge, but, uh, but I think they're getting a lot more out of it. I agree with you, Dan. It's funny that the, the summer workouts are as good as I've seen them. The winter workouts kind of were non-existent or, or, I mean, you call them terrible. There just wasn't much going on there with the transition. They didn't really know what to do. They weren't really sure what to run playbook-wise. There wasn't a lot of organization there. So it's kind of funny that it went from – Really, the the you know the fewest or worst winter workouts like we've ever seen, I think, to transition to really getting organized and having the best summer workouts. I think a lot of that was uh, in the winter. They really were kind of uh, doing a lot of classroom stuff. They were uh, spending a lot of time on uh, how do we want you to do the weightlifting and conditioning, and a lot of it was much you know more of a learning situation that. Uh, they didn't think they were ready to go out on the field uh, until they'd had spring ball, until they'd gone through uh, what they wanted them to do in terms of the up-tempo practices. So they basically, I mean, we got to see them like one real time and, and one, you know, little bitty, uh, you know, moment, and that was it. And, and I think that the, the smart decision was, you know what, they're probably not ready to do it the way we want them to do it in the winter, so what the heck, let's don't do it do it just to be doing it and do it wrong and uh till we get them through spring they won't know how to do it right so that's pretty much what what they did they just said yeah we don't need to do winter we're not ready to do winter yet yeah it makes sense Uh, you know now they're doing the high tempo stuff that you would see in spring and they wouldn't have been able to do any of that uh before that happened so it was well you know i mean you've got to be organized because for example there's five guys on the sidelines uh you know holding up the sign boards and giving the hand signals and all that i mean it's a combination of uh, quarterbacks injured players uh, managers uh but you know this is it's got to be pretty much to the point where you know on their own these guys can 
can do it just as if the coaches were there. And, you know, they're doing it strictly on their own, which really makes it impressive how organized it is and how, you know, they – you know, they they got the all of the play calling stuff, and the, you just see them all. You know, looking to the sidelines and picking it up quickly, and getting into the next play. And, and very uh, few miscues in terms of, you know, I mean, they actually had more times where you know, in the old way when they went slowly, you had more times where they had to stop the play at the line of scrimmage and get somebody on the other side or move them around or whatever. You don't see much of that. They pretty much. Uh, quick as they're going they know what they're doing they certainly do and speaking of uh these workouts without coaches we had a question from melvin that kind of goes along with uh with this he said because the current workouts are voluntary and without coaches who ends up being the leader of these workouts on offense kessler or brown or green someone else what about defense shaw cravens pollard or who that's from melvin well, you got you got all the right names in there. Kessler certainly uh, runs the offense, although you know with help from the guys on the sidelines. I mean, it's a it's a team it's a team effort. And you know, say Max Brown would be the sideline guy, uh, and uh, you know with managers and people like that, making sure that you know they got the next play is the, when they want it to be the next play. Uh, on uh, and and you can never uh, discount Nelson Aguilar. He is sort of the mother hen out there. He's the very often the first guy to check out both fields and which field are they going to, and he makes making sure that the managers have help, uh, uh, you know, getting the stuff out and getting it off the field and uh, moving it around. And uh, so Nelson is a big, uh, big factor. Uh, even though he's kind of uh, was a man of few words, but has more words now than he than we ever used to hear was Buck Allen is, is sort of a. Uh, uh, you know, who become a, a team leader on offense. Uh, other guys that you see when they do the specialty drills on offense, uh, they break up in you know, position groups. Uh, Max Turk, uh, if he's there, or uh, Chad Wheeler will be, uh, you know, putting them through their paces. Although Zach Banner is kind of an unofficial uh, leader there and a guy that working with the, uh, you know, the new guys. So uh, that's the way it goes on offense. Everything on defense goes through uh, – Hayes Pollard and Josh Shaw are, you know, absolutely, you know, the guys that uh, that get things going. The, the defensive line is kind of an interesting group. They're kind of all, uh, they're, you know, similar personalities, and uh, each have their own way of of doing things. Leonard kind of does it by just example and, and enthusiasm and hustle and and having fun. And uh, and Antoine Woods has made the you know decision that it's going to be a big year for him and. He wants to be an every-down player, and so he's become, uh, you know, a big factor in terms of the, of the leadership. But uh, he's got a lot of leaders. Uh, uh, you could, you could, you know, add to that group. And I think the way they're running summer ball gives a lot of them a chance to to do those things. Uh, uh, Gerald Bowman hasn't gotten to play that much, but he is a, you know, fifth-year senior, extra year because of a medical redshirt, and he seems to also be a guy that. Uh, very uh, kind of naturally uh, uh, takes a leadership takes a leadership role. Um, yeah, good list there of of leaders, and and one of the other things that we get to see a lot uh, the leaders, the guys being led, and the the incoming freshmen. Unfortunately, Thursday the last workout, uh, the freshmen weren't out there, so we didn't get to see them. Uh, but we had a question from Tarek about some of these uh, new players. He says, "Which Trojans do you anticipate?" 
having breakout years, and which of the incoming freshmen do you foresee having an instant impact? So if you want to tackle those two. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, as far as the you know, freshmen and uh, instant impact and breakout years, uh, you, you guys know the, the list of people who have, you know, special skills like, uh, you know, Dory Jackson and Juju Smith and Bryce Sticks and those guys. Uh, uh, you know, I think some of that's going to be situational in terms of who else is, is available to do what or, you know, what decisions do they make uh, on special teams uh, now that we have you know, sort of a group effort on special teams. I'm not sure how that's going to go in terms of, uh, you know, what do you do with an Adoree there? How much do you, uh, you know, do you have Nelson Aguilar do, or do you do you figure spots there for for freshmen and what have you? Do you come up with a, uh, you know, kind of a hybrid role for for a Bryce Dixon in in certain situations and and use his ability to get downfield and get up in the air and catch the ball? Uh, I, I think we really don't know. I think you know. Then the other two, you you have to look at our offensive, you know, linemen. You know, Terrell Levadon and, and, and Viani uh, Kalamabaya, uh, who certainly are being, you know, worked in a lot at this point. And they certainly, I mean, Toa's, you know, running first team still. So uh, and I think those guys, you're, um, if you're UFC, you're, you're wanting them to, one of them at least to have a breakout freshman year like some other freshmen have had in the past. That's not, that's not, it's not a given with you know at the offensive line, man. That's a that's really asking a lot. It might be the hardest hardest thing in the you know the world for a guy to come out of high school and step in and and be able to play. But uh, but I think they're gonna they're gonna give those guys a shot and and see where uh, see where that takes them. But uh, but I don't know that this is a team where you have to be thinking we need this guy to come through right away or we need that guy to come through right away. It'll be great. I think it'll be, uh, you know, a little extra uh, uh, that that could be very important. But uh, I don't know that it's the kind of thing that you're absolutely saying we need this guy to do this. Uh, I think it's a matter of we'll see if the opportunity is there and if uh, the adjustments to the college game is there, then they could do this. But uh, but I don't know that there's anybody – you know, putting a guy down in a in a spot and just saying we really need him to come through here. Yeah, there's a lot of there's so it's so open right now, Dan, with uh, positions and guys that could kind of you know play play all over the place. I mean, I, I guess it's good, but it could you know like, potentially it could be a bad thing too. Where if you're making some wrong choices, you're not really sure where guys can go. I mean, I think they need to get some kind of direction as far as a lot of these players, but there's a few special ones, like you said that. You know, maybe you, you you figure out a Dory along the way, and he switches around. He's so special, he can he can do those kind of things. But there there are a lot of options for this staff right now. Yeah, and I think they really got enough players and enough depth that it's not a, a, a critical uh, that one of these guys, two or three of them, step in and do something immediately. I think they do have the luxury of seeing where is the smart place to, to go with them? Where's the logical place? Where's the natural place? Where, where, will, it, where will this combination work, work the best? And I think what we've seen so far, they've done a good job of, and this system, I think just the extra plays allows you to uh, uh, figure out how, how could we you know, incorporate a role for this, this guy doing this or that guy doing that or maybe a little bit here and a little bit there. 
but without the sense that, boy, if, if we can't do this with this new guy, we're really screwed. I don't, you don't get that sense at all that, that there's that. It's, it's a matter of uh, opportunity more than uh, necessity, I think. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, – we have a question from Denmark, uh, Jacob in uh, Copenhagen. So let's uh, get that. He said he wants to know – and this um, we can kind of talk about this a little bit, Dan, some recruiting stuff. But uh, how many early enrollees can USC get next season? Got 25 scholarships and about a dozen seniors. Uh, can they only enroll the uh, the number of players who already graduated, or can they add more since they would still be under that uh, 85 limit? That's the first part of his question. That's a really good question from uh, Copenhagen. And I did. I like Copenhagen. Actually, uh, almost unbelievably, I actually got to cover a figure skating event there one time. Wow. I believe that. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> the European, oh man, it was before uh, a Winter Olympics when I was in Philadelphia, uh, but and I really liked it. Uh, but uh, huh, that's a good question. Do, are they limited by? I don't think they'd be still limited by the seventy-five in the second semester. But I don't know that for sure. Are they? Does the eighty-five limit kick in at the end of the year, or does it kick in after the season? I don't. I actually don't know that. I, I uh, think it, my guess is would it it would be after the season. So that would essentially free up uh, ten spots, ten more spots for for early enrollees. And um, there's no there's no early enrollees that are going to be counted backwards. Like you know, uh, like because the class of 2014 was completely full, um, right. nineteen guys. There's no extra rides to add to the 25. So. Usually, when you're talking early enrollees, uh, Jacob, you're talking about you can sign 25 plus a couple early because you didn't use them all from the last class. Well, all of them from the previous class are used up. So, bringing anyone in early, the only advantage is getting them on campus early, getting them acclimated with the system. And if you want someone to contribute earlier, obviously that gives you a better uh, shot at it. So, but to replace someone that's early, there's already. You know, three. There's only 72 guys on scholarship, and some of them are, uh, you know, walk-ons. But there's at least three spots for early enrollees just to be under the 75. But I think more more than likely, and I can kind of confirm this, there's probably 10 more spots because it's going to be up to 85. So I think, you know, they could bring in half this class early. It's very unlikely. But if a whole bunch of them wanted to come in early, I don't think those numbers are going to be a problem. I don't know what you think about it, Dan, but that's kind of my take. Yeah, I, kind of, I, I would tend to agree completely that that's the way to go. Finding enough of those guys, uh, I think, would be more the problem maybe than the, the numbers uh, you know, issue going forward. But, uh, it, uh, I mean, there is that you know, time in the second semester that we found out before when everybody didn't graduate that they thought was going to graduate and you didn't have those, those slots uh, of the 75 slots available. Uh, but the question is, uh, do you have 75 or do you have 85 in the spring? Not sure. But uh, I tend to go with, uh, with Ryan to think that, that they move on to the, the 85. But that's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. So a at really least good question. the worst case is there's three. Uh, there's more than likely a bunch of guys that are going to graduate mid, uh, you know, mid-year. So they can, you can actually, if anyone graduates, early when then those guys can you know those yeah, scholarships that will happen free up. for sure there are definitely guys on track to graduate uh at the end of the first semester so so that will happen so uh, say there's so three a free up each one that graduates 
That's the only way you can add a scholarship during the year uh, over and above the um, the ones you started out with uh, is if someone graduates, they can be replaced in the second semester. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the conservative, say two or three more, like graduate, you got three scholarships for sure. That's six. I mean, you know, how many guys are going to come in early? You could get more than that, but that it's – as a conservative estimate, you're probably going to be okay with that. I don't see that being a problem. And, of course, like we said, if it is opened up to the 85, then um, then you're okay uh, there as well. So we'll, we'll I'll, I'll try to find out a more definitive answer for you, but I don't think that's something, uh, Jacob, that is going to come up. Uh, but he, he actually had another question, Dan. He wanted okay. to know about Ed Orgeron. Uh, he says, where is Ed Orgeron now? I was sure he was going to get a head coaching job, but I've not heard anything. Love the podcast. Hope to get some answers, Jacob from Copenhagen. Yeah, Jacob, uh, Ed is uh, you know on still like all those coaches basically were you know on multi-year deals, and uh, I think uh, he had spent so much time away from his family that I think uh, he really enjoying his son won the state tennis tournament, and his sophomore uh, uh, won the state tennis tournament in Louisiana, and he enjoyed the heck out of being back there for that. And uh, the the thing that happened was the, some of the jobs, and there were three or four that looked like might really be the kind of things that um, that would be make a lot of sense for him <clears throat> for him at, at the point in time. And yeah, you know, and there is the issue of you know his leaving and and how that happened. And you're going to have to you know work with people to uh, you know make them understand the situation and. Uh, and yet the jobs that look like would make the most sense for him, the head coaching jobs, turned out basically didn't open up. And uh, I think there's a good chance they will this coming year. Uh, but I, I, think, I think Ed's future, I, I don't think we know where that's going to go. Uh, and I, I think we maybe ought to be ready to be surprised a little bit. Who knows? Uh, you know, things might might interesting develop developments might happen with Coach O. You know, we may not have may not have seen the last of, of Coach O uh, at all. Uh, so, but I think uh, he doesn't have to coach this year, and unless the situation opened up that was just exactly the right situation for him, I think he decided. You know, um, this might be the time to spend some time with my family and. Uh, doesn't have to coach and uh, and see and develop maybe some relationships over this year that will uh, you know pay off in another year uh, in terms of when a job opens up that uh, that he really uh, thinks uh, makes sense for him. So, and I think that will happen. I think some of those maybe that didn't open up this year will open up uh, next year, and uh, Ed would be uh, a very good candidate based on what he did at, at USC and how he, uh, when you look at uh, uh, his Ole Miss years and then you looked at what he did on the fly last year, uh, you know, that was that's as good an audition tape as you could probably have in, in so many ways. And uh, so, so I, uh, and I think most everybody here is pulling uh, for him to, you know, figure out exactly where he wants to go and what he wants to do, but he's got this year to do that. He does, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on any news breaking with Coach O. It's definitely a topic that people still are interested 
Dan. So we'll uh, we'll let you guys know. Check out uscfootball.com for for the latest on the message boards. We'll we'll always be talking about it there. He always seemed to be a subject that <laughs> that comes up a lot. Oh yeah, and and deservedly so. He yeah. was a special guy and uh, always will be. And uh, and uh, yeah, we, we should uh, try to catch up with with Coach O and uh, and and really get get you uh, up to date on where he's. Been. I mean, I know he's done some different things. He's been you know. Uh, you know, done some appearances on 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 different shows and commented on the on recruiting and uh, uh, you know different different uh, interviews that he's he's done just a little bit. He hasn't talked a whole lot. I mean, other than saying nothing but good things about his time at USC, but uh, hasn't really you know elaborated all that much on on where he you know what he's and he's probably not in a position to be able to do that if. Uh, but I think he is, you know, establishing some relationships with people over this year, so that he would be in position if uh, somebody uh, is looking for somebody who can do what Ed can do. Uh, let's see. We got one last one for you, Dan, uh, from Bill. He says, "I very much enjoy listening to yourself, Coach Harvey, Dan Weber, and Gerard Martinez on recruiting. The NCAA penalties are over, but not really, as you've mentioned before. USC cannot." Re- Break, well, excuse me. USC cannot replace players that have left early. I'm very disappointed in the Pac-12. I think when Larry Scott came in, he should have oversaw a USC investigation by the Pac-12, then decided whether to support USC or not. Representatives of the Pac-12 could have met with the NCAA and supported USC as a Pac-12 member. Instead, the Pac-12 left USC to fend for themselves. Larry Scott missed his chance to do the right thing and make a name for himself. No one can deny the positive attention and other benefits USC has brought to the Pac-12, yet I am not sure what benefits the Pac-12 has brought to USC. What do you think? That's from Bill. Bill, I think bingo is the correct answer there. (laughs) You got that baby exactly right. That's the difference. That's why the SEC is the SEC. Okay? They understand that it's about the entire conference, and they've understood that. And they've taken it to, uh, you know, the logical conclusion. And everybody pulls together and they try to help, every, you know, all boats, uh, you know, rise, uh, you know, with the tide. And they figure that out. And the Pac-12 figured out, you know, if USC goes down, boy, we can get more players there and we can move up a little bit. And, you know, well, if they're any good, you know, their game against Stanford or whatever will be a big game and everybody will be happy. But, Pac-12 kind of likes it this way, okay? They, this is not a, not a problem for them. And that's where it's different uh, with Big Ten and other places where they're all in it together. They were not from the beginning. It was obvious they weren't in it together. You know, they were in it uh, for as much as they could get if you looked at the way, you know, everything went down uh, to start in terms of the broadcast contracts and things like that. So, uh, USC... You wish uh, USC could have uh, pushed the uh, Pac-12 into a supportive role of some sort. Now, there are stories that there were places that the Pac-12 maybe would have been willing to help and that USC didn't want to push because they didn't want, the, didn't want it uh, to become any kind of a public issue. But, but I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you completely that the Pac-12 could have been a force for good here, should have been a force for good here, and pretty much uh, sat on the sidelines, uh, whether by whose choice, I don't think we'll ever know, but, uh, but they could have exerted themselves and still could. I, I can't believe 
I mean, just over the, well, USC didn't make it public that, you know, their attempts twice to have agreements with the, uh, the NCAA, which apparently were, were kind of agreed to uh, before uh, the lawyers shot them down, that um, he'd like to have seen the Pac-12 make more of a public statement about USC's inability, for example, to replace uh, 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 athletically and academically eligible players who are leaving early uh, and that will get them way below the 75. Uh, you would have thought the Pac-12 would have, would have made some kind of a move to say, look, the limit is 75. USC shouldn't be artificially uh, taken way below that just because of the, they threw in that uh, uh, no more than 15 new grants a year. And everybody knows the NSA knew what they were doing and knew why they did that, the committee. Uh, did that purposely to get USC way? They, you know, they they didn't have enough guts to say we, we want you to go to 65 scholarships, but that's what they wanted, and that's what they, you know, are probably going to get. And uh, that's where you would have liked to have seen the Pac-12 say, no, this is this is wrong, this is unfair. We'd like to see the uh, you know committee on infractions uh, reconvened to publicly go over this, uh, and we're going to. Uh, on behalf of the other 11 Pac-12 schools, we're going to intervene on USC's part. Didn't happen. Should have. Bad news. Bad deal by the Pac-12. Bad deal by the rest of the Pac-12 schools. But the problem is, I think, you know, Alabama didn't go to war over Auburn, and you know what they were thinking watching Cam Newton and you know Fairley and those guys win a national championship. You think Alabama, but. Alabama went along and said, okay, you know, we're all in this together. But do you think UCLA would go along with that? It, in USC's case, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, well, hey, Dan, this when we record these things, it's, uh, you know, we don't do them live, obviously. But as we, were, as we were wrapping this up and doing the last question, I get a tweet from USC Trojan, from the USC Trojans and – uh, some really interesting uh, developments have happened. USC, Pat Hayden announced today that they are now offering four-year scholarships instead of the one-year renewables. So uh, USC will offer four-year ath- athletic scholarships to all scholarship student-athletes in the revenue sports of football, men's and, women ba- and men- men's and women's basketball, in lieu of the current policy of offering one-year renewable scholarships, uh, Pat Hayden announced. It's going to be effective July 1st, 2014. Um, in taking this action, USC hopes to to lead the effort to refocus on student-athlete welfare on and off the field, Hayden said. So some big big news, USC leading the way there. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA said you could do that, and uh, it's going to be kind of a, you know, will it be an arms race, you know, where others feel like, uh, you know, your two teams are recruiting a kid and hard and uh, in the same town and, one of them's offering him a four-year scholarship, and the other's saying, you know, it's uh, renewable year to year. That'll be interesting how that plays out in terms of the competitive situation. Uh, you, you had a sense that that was coming once the NCAA uh, approved it, that you could do that. You could go back. That used to be the way they did it in the old, old days. And uh, that'll be interesting how that makes uh, makes uh, uh for some really hard decisions uh, in terms of who you offer scholarships to, as uh, you know, that's a that's a four-year commitment. I mean, if you think back over the recent years and some of the guys that were offered and probably 
most people uh, from very early on were thinking, mm, I don't know if that's going to work out. Uh, and then I guess still, you know, guys leave, they leave. Uh, and you have that available. It'd be interesting to see, in, in terms of the competitive situation, how this works out. I, and I don't know how okay. that, you know, what what does the the team across town do, and, and how does that exactly play out? I mean, I know you can say, look, in effect, it really is one. It really is a four-year deal. It'll just be renewed each year. But uh, I don't know. Might might actually matter yeah well twitter's blowing up so uh by the time people listen to this podcast we, we get up pretty quickly but um really interesting development here yeah so. okay well it, it doesn't surprise you you know it, it, i don't know where stanford is on this uh but uh doesn't surprise me that usc would would go there i think that that fits uh you know, the model that that pat would would really like uh to and I, I didn't know how that plays out in terms of the revenue sports, can you just do it? Obviously, it'll be um, skewed one way in terms of, uh, you know, whether Title IX has any effect here or not. Uh, uh, you know, because for a while we had thought that, that one of the holdups for some of the things USC needed to do in terms of the athletic program was um, they couldn't just do it for football. Or they couldn't just do it for the revenue sports. They had to do it for all the sports. But obviously, this one they're just doing it for the revenue-producing sport. So, uh, interesting. Yeah, that that's also kind of an interesting development that they're willing to just do it for the revenue-producing sports. All right. Well, Dan, appreciate you uh, coming on, and we got the little breaking news there at the end. Yeah, so that was great. kind of fun. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Ryan. Okay. All right, and thanks everyone else. Uh, for, thank you for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. And we'll talk to you all again next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 